that we can get the Lord's table, take the Lord's table and, and get home before we get any further snow. Let's just pray while you're turning. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord, that your people this morning are edified, but most importantly, Lord, that you are glorified. And what we do, what we say, what we sing, what we think, Lord, may you be glorified and that we will worship you in spirit and in truth this morning to the best of our ability. May we humble ourselves, forgive us of any sins that we've committed, any forgivenesses that we need to reconcile. We ask you, Lord, to let us do that so that we can come into your presence with holy hands and come into your presence with thanksgiving that you will accept our sacrifices of praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The KJV says in, in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ravening wolves. Some other translations say inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You know, so uh, they are, and, and just, just, just so you know, Gloria and Marcus, they're changing they're they're changing camera angles remotely. Yeah. So these these are yeah. They they have they have uh, logged me in control to that computer over there. So these these wolves. And I, actually, I had Justin put a picture up. I want to to show you a picture of, of an actual wolf because I was I was thinking when I was prepping for this sermon, why why did Jesus why did Jesus choose a wolf a wolf as his analogy or as his object lesson, because the mortal, the, the mortal predators for sheep typically are considered foxes, right? Foxes. But wolves are too. Wolves are too. But foxes are also considered like a primary villain and predator for a, a lamb or a sheep. But I want to show you this picture because Jesus shows this picture, and I want to understand a little bit more why, so that we can understand why this analogy was associated with false teachers, prophets, and preachers. So you students of, of our church know that I've been a strong advocate for years and years on Acts 17.11, be like the Bereans. The Bereans were more noble-minded than the Thessalonians or the Thessalonians, because they heard the word, they received the word with gladness, but they also, they went home and studied the word to make sure the things that the apostles were teaching were true. You don't, don't give anybody a clean bill of health. Give no one a clean slate. No one gets uh, a chance to say whatever they want. Everybody has to be able to document what they say, what they teach, what they preach, what they testify with the word of God. That's why I emphasize so much in Sunday school and on Wednesday night Bible studies, and I pray that Sister Marie does too in the ladies' Bible study on second Saturday, to make sure your responses can be defended or, or are from or quoted from the Word of God. We want to know the Bible. We want to know God's Word. We don't want to know about it. We don't want to know uh, an overview of it. We don't want the cliff notes of it. We want to know what God's Word says. Right? Because the word is what makes the difference. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17 says. And the word of God is what changes us. David said, I have hidden in Psalms 119, I have hidden thy word in my heart 
that I might not sin against thee. Amen. So the word is what changes us. It has the ability, the power to cut, the Bible says, as a two-edged sword, dividing the very bone and marrow. The, the word can get to that level of detail, that nuance. So we want the word in us. So Jesus used this term, and I underline in my notes to emphasize for a couple more minutes, the term beware and the term wolves. So let's talk about beware for a minute that he says here, and Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? That's a, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is obviously no. The answer is implied in the question, hence a rhetorical question. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. By the way, when we think of trees and fruit, we typically don't use the term evil. We usually say bad, rotten, sour, bitter, nasty, gross. Those are usually, that's how we usually describe fruit, right? The Lord just calls it evil <laughs> because he ain't talking about pears, tree, uh, plums, and bananas and apples. He's talking about people's lives. He's saying their life, they're not just bad people. They're evil people, wicked people, acting like they're good, parading to be good, but they're really wicked inside. Don't be like them, right? You guys on Zoom, don't be like that. We don't want to be wicked people. We don't want to be people that are hypocritical phony, uh, living a false life, living a lie. Jesus goes on to say in verse 19 of chapter 7 of Matthew in King James Version, every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit, or ever bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, that means cut down, and cast into the fire, burned. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. It kind of goes back to what I taught about a couple of weeks ago about judging. You know, people say, you can't judge me. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? You don't have a right to, to judge me of anything. You worry about your own. Well, yeah, we can judge. We can judge. We can judge your fruit. We can judge what we see, right? We can't judge your motives. We can't judge your intentions. We can't judge your motivations. We can't judge why you did it. But we can judge what you did because it's out there for the world. How can, how can people say you can't judge me when they saw you steal the apple from the basket? I mean, you, your hands actually went in. Your hands went in and came out with the apple. How can you then say, dude, you can't judge me. How are you, how, how you going to judge me on that? Well, because I saw what you did. I don't know why you did it. I don't know what your motivation for doing it. I don't know where your heart is at about why you did it. But I know you did it. The Bible gives us that prerogative to judge that, the act. That is judging a, free, judging a tree by the fruit it bears. You all with me? Okay, so that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying if a false preacher, a false teacher, a pastor, a prophet, an elder, a minister, a deacon, a missionary, a member of the church 
is saying one thing with their mouth and living another thing with their life, they are false, fake, phony, hypocritical. He's saying that person should be considered a wolf, a person that attacks defenseless, harmless, innocent animals because they can. And as a matter of fact, I was so intrigued by that term wolf or wolves, if you want to use the plural tense, that I looked up some things about a wolf that I thought might be relevant to us to help drive the point home. Here's just a few fun facts about a wolf. Ready? First of all, these dudes are vicious canine family members. They got 42 teeth. <laughs> 40, so that reminds me like he's one of those dinosaurs with Jurassic Park. I mean, all those, you see all those teeth. <laughs> so an average wolf, these are, these, by the way, these are California gray wolves right here. These bad boys are vicious. You can see by their bulk, their body. These cats are vicious. They're mean. They can run 38 miles an hour. You can't outrun them. So if you see a wolf, don't even start running. Think of another mode of defense because you ain't going to outrun it, okay? They have 42 teeth. They live up to 13 years in a while. And here's one thing they can run. I said 36 miles an hour. They can run 36 to 38 miles an hour. Here's one thing I thought was really amazing, which I think is a, a spiritual point. Watch this. The pups, the wolf pups, they usually have a litter of six. They're born deaf and blind with bright blue eyes. So I thought about that. I said, they're born deaf and blind. And that ministered to me because I thought from, their, from birth, they learn how not to count on their senses, but they, they develop their sense of smell. They develop their sense of presence, of, of, of being able to identify objects by smell. They identify objects by instinct. They can't hear and they can't see for the first several months of their life. So they're counting on smell. And it's interesting, too, because, and I think, I think maybe one of the reasons they have this particular uh, attribute is that they can smell they can smell several miles away and I, I thought I had down here the actual miles I have here six miles but I thought it was I thought it was uh, a little different than that they as they grow up they can hear six miles away they can swim for eight miles they can chase a prey uh, oh here here's here's the one uh, they can hear six miles away in the forest. But here's what I thought about the fact that they're born blind and deaf. They have, an average wolf has 200 million scent cells. 200 million scent smells, cells. That means it's like their whole body is one big nose. <laughs> they can smell their prey before they can see them. They can smell their prey before they can hear them. They can smell a predator who will eat them before they can see the predator or hear him. And that, that, here's why that spoke to me. It spoke to me because I think as believers, we are to develop our sense of, of not just what we hear and what we see, but I think as believers, we're to develop a sense of what we know God is able to do. 
what we know he's capable of. Even when we don't see him moving in our lives. Even when we don't see concrete evidence of God making a difference, whether it's a healing, whether it's a job, whether it's a promotion, whether it's finances, whether it's a new, a, a new car or place to live, whether it's God helping issues in our family with conflicts and fighting and resolution and division, even when we can't see the result, we know, we know in our senses, we know in our spirit, we know in our soul that God is up to something good and he's moving, he's working, he's healing, he's delivering. Woo! That just, that, that excites me. It excites me to know that we don't have to rely on what we can see with our eyes. We don't have to rely on the bad news that we hear every day in media. We don't have to rely on what we can touch and what we feel in our body. We know that God can supersede and transcend what our senses can perceive, what our eyes can retake in, what our ears can consume. God can do over that exceedingly abundantly, Ephesians 3.20, more than we ask or think. I'm going to wrap it up with this. I'm going to wrap, I'm going to wrap it up with this because I'll be up here. I'll be I'll be up here all afternoon if I don't. It was just so exciting about those wolves and why God chose that particular analogy of all the things He could have said. He said, "Beware of those guys." I, I looked up I looked up the word "beware" in the Greek from Romans. I'm sorry, from Matthew seven fifteen, and it says that the word means it stresses watchfulness and potential danger and we're to be alert you hear that be alert like those wolves are alert even when they can't see and hear they're alert for danger they're on the they're they're on the lookout for people that would do them harm they're on the lookout for us of areas that we may fall and sin and be trapped in a snare we should be cognizant and sensitive to attacks that the enemy might try to use. I think Sister Marie used this scripture in her, in her class yesterday only because I was sneaking and reading her notes trying to steal some ideas. Uh, second, no, second, I think she used 2 Timothy 2.11, did she not, ladies, about we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. You know, we're not ignorant. We're, we're not, and it doesn't say, and I love the, the language here. I don't know what translation she taught from because she used so many different Bibles. Uh, she needs to just stick with one version and go with it. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm the one that used a lot of different versions. No, but I don't know what version she read, but it doesn't say, I love the language here. In 2.11, 2 Corinthians 2.11, right? It doesn't say you should get to the point where you know the enemy's devices. It doesn't say try to know his devices. It doesn't say it's a good idea to know his devices. It doesn't say that God is going to help you learn his devices. No, the Bible says we know. It's, it's hardwired into us via the Holy Spirit. It's instinctive. When you are converted, when you become a new believer, he gives us this innate, desi this innate knowledge this, this sixth sense, as it were, that we know the enemy's devices. Because the Holy Spirit is the Greek word parakletos. 
one who comes alongside to help, to aid. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's in us to guide us, to teach us, to train us, to equip us so that we're never defenseless. I don't want to just go information overload, so I'm going to just say in my, in my close that use, use, use condemnation sparingly when it comes to criticizing our brothers or sisters about anything that you see in their life that may not measure up to what you think. Go, go easy. Don't be critical. Don't be overly critical. Judging is not the same thing as being overly critical. You know, because that just kind of makes you a bad, you know, don't, don't become a villain. Don't, be, don't become a troll where you're just trying to find some way to put people down because you can. That, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. I, I, I believe in what the Bible says that we who are strong ought to do what? Right. So if you think you all that in the bag of chips, if you got it that much together, don't use that to look down your nose at me and, and you know, and, and make me feel worse than I already do or try to feel better at my expense. If you are spiritually mature, if you're growing, if you've gotten past some things, then you know what? Reach back and help your brother. Help your sister. Don't become part of the gospel, of, of the gossip circle, of the gossip network that's just saying, wow, did you see what he did? Did you see, did you hear about this, what she did? You know, don't become a part of that trafficking and garbage and negativity and putting people down and, and categorizing people, people, people in, a, in a prejudice, sort of a biased kind of way. Don't do that. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't let people give you garbage about somebody else that's negative and awful and nasty and hurtful. Don't be a partaker of that. Don't listen to them. First thing you ought to say, have you been praying for them? Have you been praying for them? Seriously, I know we never say that. And don't tell me, oh, Pastor Will, that's what I talk about all the time. No, I cry foul. I'm throwing out my red challenge towel. You don't say that. You don't say, I'm just praying for it, I'm praying today. No, you're probably saying, yeah, can you believe it? What do you think about that? I knew he was like that all the time. I never had any doubt. He's always been that way. And that's, we, we pile on. We add fuel to the fire. Don't do that, guys. We, we, that, we're better than that. We're more mature than that. Amen? Amen. Been there, done that. We don't have to go through that gossiping, slander, character assassination mode. We don't have to do that. We're bigger. Let's, as we as mature saints, as mature believers, let's look, let's reach back, help those that are struggling, help those that are having issues overcoming this or maturing, help those that might need help, and let God do the judging. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Our Monday morning moment. A Monday morning moment. Beware of those who say one thing and do another. I'll say it again. Beware of those who say one thing and do something else. Amen. Don't be that person. May that not be named once among you. Amen. We don't want to go there and we don't want to do that. I, I have too many things that I'm trying to bring to the cross of Christ to be throwing rocks and pointing fingers at other people 
Even as pastor, it's not even my job to as pastor to nitpick and criticize and condemn. It's my job as pastor, as pastor to console and comfort and bring together and, and keep the sheep from wolves and keep you from going out of the pasture Therefore, putting yourself in, in mortal danger, it's my job to protect you from doing that. It's my job to keep you in the flock so that we can be under the protection of the Lord Jesus. That's how I look at my job as a, as a, as a protector, as a facilitator, as an under shepherd, answering to the great shepherd himself. And I'm like, Paul, follow me only as I follow Christ. If I go off the path to say, hey, brother, Will, we love you, man, but dude, you're on your own. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going that direction. You're going off the cliff into the abyss. We'll try to help you, but we ain't going to follow you. <laughs> and that's what, listen, I'm saying that facetiously, but that's what made the Bereans so tough. That's why I honor those dudes so much, because the Bereans were, were not willing to just take what Paul and Peter and them said at face value. You can't. You got to check it out. No one gets a free pass. So we should hold our ministers, our teachers, our elders, our overseers, we should hold them responsible, but we should also esteem them in honor because God has given them that position to be a ministry or a help to the body of Christ. Amen. And guess what? I have to give an account for you guys one day. Bible says, help me do that cheerfully and with meekness. <laughs> help me do that with reverence and meekness. Don't let me go out there and say, they say well, well, what did you think about... Uh, what do you think about Brother Rod? Well, Lord, uh, how much? Let me pull up a chair. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we say, what do you think about Brother Rod? Brother Rod, that's my dude. He was right on. I love him. A solid follower, a workman. Uh, need not be ashamed. Amen. That's that's the kind of report. I don't know if I'm going to be questioned like that. I'm just being facetious. But the Bible says that we do have to give an account for the flock. And you guys want to make sure that we do it according to Scripture with meekness. Some scriptures will say with fear and reverence, but it's referring to reverence and, and meekness that you want me to be able to give that report. I want to be able to gather that report myself. I don't want to have help save others and myself, as Paul said, be a castaway. Say, so, yeah, well, well, you you did a good job helping Sister Jessica back there, but uh, you 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 struggling here, brother. I don't I don't want that to be said. I I want to be as as committed to my own soul salvation as I am to helping those who are in our flock. Amen. Amen. And that's what the Lord is calling for. And his word. So let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. May this Monday morning moment, may this message, Lord, keep us throughout this week and strengthen us and console us and comfort us as we try to do those things that are always pleasing to your sight. Lord, help us to be able to give a good report for ourselves and for each other when we stand before you, Lord, because there will be accountability. There will be responsibility that we are all brought to. And Lord, may we be able to answer those questions with honor and honesty and transparency, Lord, that you might be glorified, Lord. And may your people be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Elders, let's just come on. Let's just take the Lord's table, if we will. And um, while uh, Rod and Reg are preparing,